Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey guys, this is Doc Huffpower. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Dear Doc Podcast. I'm here as always in my studio in Alvin, Texas. I'm actually in Studio B now. I just built one over the uh, last two weeks because I've been so damn bored. And uh, today I am joined by one of the guys I consider to be an OG in the dentistry business, and that is Bruce Beard. Bruce, how the hell are you, man? I am doing good. I'm doing good. My face doesn't look good. I've been doing a little chemo therapy on my skin, on my skin. And uh, so I look like the living dead or whatever that show is, but uh, I'm not out lecturing. I'm, I'm sitting at home. I don't think anybody's seeing me except on podcast webinars and talking to you. So we're Absolutely. good. So, so Bruce, you, you were diagnosed with skin cancer a while back, and this is just something that you're doing parentally to make sure that, you know, things things don't come back. Yeah. Correct? yeah, it's it's called Effudex and it's a it's kind of a an ointment that you put on that gets rid of all the little actinic keratosis but boy you can kind of look like you're uh, you know pretty sad uh, you know I'm, I'm just now almost finished it, you do it for 3 weeks and I never have time to do it but this has given me time to actually do it so um, you know it's working and boy I look rough and the kids are going uh, you okay, Doc? I go, yeah. So I'm good. Don't worry, it'll be gone and shortly. But anyway, it's good. It's good to hear you're on the mend, man. So, um, yeah. you know, Bruce, I've, I've I've talked to you previously, and I I tell it just about everybody who asks that you had a huge influence on the way that I practice dentistry. Um, whenever I got out of school, uh, I um I was told that you can't be a comprehensive dentist and make money. That you had to basically treat to insurance and it just did, it seemed like a waste to me. And um, I got a hold of, I believe, one of your videos from a friend of mine. And I watched it. And man, just the way that you did your chairside presentation, the way that you did your linking with the patients, it really, it really reached to me and grabbed me and said, you, you can do what it is you think you can. So I kind of started down that path. And um, it helped me to become successful. Um, it, That's awesome. You know, so again, thank you. And I've, I've, I've previously said that, but I, I like to make sure that everyone knows you give credit where credit is due and you are a huge influence on the way that I do things. So folks, um, I would like to take this opportunity to um, actually have Bruce walk us through his story. You guys all know my story. You know about my practice. You know, I started in 2013, a year after I graduated from scratch startup. You know that in February, I sold my practice for a nice chunk of change. And, um, you know, it's, it's been good and it's been good to me. So Bruce, talk to us about how you built your practice and the things that yeah. went into that. Tell, tell me all the growing pains. Yeah. You know, I had massive growing pains. Uh, I, I was fortunate. I graduated from dental school in 1980 and interest rates were, uh, 21% as was mortgage rates. Right. So it was rather, uh, rather crazy at that time. Um, and I began, uh, went in the United States army for four years and kind of allowed me to, oh, I don't know, to practice dentistry, pick up my skills and, 
and uh, pick up my speed and that type of thing. Although being productive is not really about speed. It's, it's more about doing more dentistry. But, right. And I opened up my practice in 1985 here in Granbury, Texas, a town of about 6,000 people. Um, I, I always you know, joke I was the worst boss. That, that's one of the things that's always been so, um, so impressive to me. And, and really, honestly, that's the reason why I, I, I felt like you were the guy to show me what I needed to do. I opened in a small town as well. And everyone told yeah. me, you can't, you can't do that in a small town. So, so yeah, you, you can do Henry, it. Texas, 6,000 people. And, yep. you know, I guess there's, there's, who else is out there who's killing it? Cuthbert. Stephen Cuthbert is out in, in yep, that area too. Yep, yep, so, um, absolutely. So you guys are these pioneers in the middle of Bofunk, Egypt, and um, you're doing comprehensive, full mouth dentistry. D tell me, what did you just not know any better? <laughs> you know, I I realized that you know I wanted to go where I wanted to go. I wanted to go where I wanted to live, and uh, I I had, uh, you know, I felt like the the demographic was right uh they didn't have a lot of dentists here i loved the golf courses that are around it was on the lake i mean there were a lot of big pluses for me i didn't ever i mean i grew up in mineral wells texas which was not a giant metropolis either so i didn't really want to live in dallas fort worth but i really want to live out in the country because that's kind of how i grew up anyway and then when i opened here uh you know we we did a good job. We built a new practice. Uh, we started seeing massive numbers of new patients. Uh, just ridiculous. They were building a nuclear power plant down the road. And I had my membership plan uh, that was 35 years ago for anybody that worked at the nuclear plant and uh, offered them a discount and cleaning the whole bit. So this isn't new concept, the uh, membership plan, although it's become hot it the is. last two and years. And that's the thing though. And that's why I always say that you're one of the OGs of dentistry, because a lot of these things that now are becoming the things that everyone does, you yeah. originated these things. Yeah, we did, you know, we did it back then. And, you know, we had little cards made up with the whole shooting match. It was, it was great. And patients would pay on a yearly basis and, uh, and would get a discount. And so that, that helped us. And, but, but truthfully, I was really, um, and, and we did a million dollars in our first year in production, 1985. And I, I joke, I took home 32,000, which would be an overhead of like 96.8. I was also pretty much a, uh, a boss hole. I mean, I was horrible to work for. Um, and and one, one of the things that I've, that I've realized that now that I'm, you know, uh, I'm not at the end of my career, but I'm, I, I've been around for 40 years. And what I realize is that um, I was under such stress from a business perspective, I didn't know how to run a business. And I was under so much stress that it was very hard for me to be myself even with my employees or with patients, I was always stressed out about money and I got all these employees and where's the next check going to come from. And, 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 and I was not a good, you know, I learned, uh, my dad was a Marine aviator, so it was my way or the highway. And I, and I became that guy. I was the micromanaging just boss hole who, as Mark Costas calls him, I mean, I'm, that, that's just, who I was. And, and I joke that everybody in Granbury, all 6,000 used to work for me at one time or another. But, um, and it may be true, but, but, you know, and then I started to learn and I, I always joke that God has a sense of humor because he gave me four daughters and I had to learn to speak a different language with them. And, and I think once my business became, once I understood my business better, uh, 
my stress level started to go down and I became a better boss and a better leader. So the, the way I look at things now is first get your business. And this is a great opportunity during this time to get Absolutely. your business right and to understand your business so that when you go back, yes, it's going to be stressful, but there's unique opportunities that the people who see this as an opportunity are going to do extremely well. The ones who don't see it as an opportunity are just going to get, uh, run over by the uh, tsunami that, that, that we've been hit with. And my preference Absolutely. is to grab a surfboard. So I'm going to, I'm going to ride the wave. I'm not going to get turned over by it. Absolutely. Any, any time of uh, domestic upheaval is always an opportunity. Uh, you just have to find the opportunity in it. It is. And we've been through, I mean, been through 2000, the, the dot-com bubble, went through the 08 financial crisis, the housing bubble, and now this. And, um, Personally, I think this is probably going to be worse than anything we've seen uh, before. But, you know, that's, that doesn't mean we can't be successful. As a matter of fact, I don't believe, I, I believe that we can still produce this year exactly what we did last year. And, and with that thought process, uh, that's the way I look into this. You know, so we lost 30% of our, we lost all production for maybe two or three months. Well, what does that mean? Well, I've got six months left to, to make that up. And those who do are going to be extremely successful and they'll have, they'll have ways of doing that. And well, well, uh, now I have to say Ryan Dunlop is on here and he's asking uh, if <laughs> Arch Masters is going to help you to uh... <laughs> Ryan, stop oh, plugging yeah. yourself. I'll plug you later. Uh, oh yeah. I, I hear he's got one hell of a great course and he's amazing, amazing, amazing human, human being too. Yeah, he is. He's, he's doing some amazing stuff out in Fresno. And I, I mean, I'm retired, but I went out and went through his entire program uh, just a couple months ago, maybe a month ago before all this started. And uh, golly, I, he told me, he says, you know, you're going to go back to work. And I, I said, well, you know, I'm, I really am. <laughs> I'm really considering it just, just, just yep. to do digital dentistry. I love it. I was actually supposed to be in that class, but some things came up and I, I, I couldn't go. So uh, uh, we had a, we had a crazy time out there, but it was, oh, it was I know. he gave me crap the whole time. This guy knows what he's talking about. He for does. Sure. He really does. He's got a hell of an operation. So you, you've brought us up. You've um, you've been through in your business. You, you kind of had to learn yourself. Uh, and um, at that point, once you've learned the business, you, 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 you were working on your leadership skills. So yep. you've gone through a few, a, 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 a few recessions, not really a depression. You've gone through the, yep. the great recession. Where, where does yep. this bring us at the point where you or, um, you know, where, where Bruce Baird looks at himself and says, okay, I'm the problem. Let me fix this. When was that? Oh, How far gosh. into your journey after, after starting your practice in what, 80, 85, right? It, yep. Uh, 85 is when I started private practice. I probably, it was probably around 96, 97 when I started to become a leader and understood my business. It was good timing because of the, uh, the, uh, you know, the dot-com bubble, but that, that, you know, it had an effect, but it bounced back very quickly. And, and then we had the 08 and I, I tell people now on webinars and podcasts that I'm on, I said, you know, I made a huge mistake in, in 08. Uh, I was fed up with the stock market. I was fed up with all of that. And I just felt like, you know, we were just sheep being led to slaughter by these guys on wall street. So I sold out, I liquidated everything. I liquidated all of my 401ks. I liquidated everything. 
And uh, because, you know, we lost about half of our savings in that time frame. So I, of course, if I would have just stayed still, I would have tripled my money in the next nine years. But, uh, you know, that's one of the mistakes I made. However, I took that revenue, I took that money and I bought some real estate and I bought, uh, I, I invested in a couple of companies that I started. And so it turned out okay, but I always have to tell people, hey, you know, I think the market will come back. You know, we are going to be okay. Uh, it just may take a while and it depends on where you're at in your journey. So on your, on this journey, uh, which is funny because I was about to use that word, um, um, how can the traditions, Ryan, I don't understand your question. Um, so on this journey, um, you, um, you learned a lot of things. You got better as a boss, you got better as a, as a business owner. I, I like to say your CEO hat and your dentist hat, cause they're very That's different right. mindsets. And very so different. at some point you built up and I believe you sold your practice. Talk to me I about did. that. Uh, was it Heartland, if I'm not mistaken? I actually, I actually sold my practice twice. I sold my practice back in 1990, five years after I opened, 91, I'm sorry. And I, because I had built a significant business by then. We were now doing a million and a half, almost $2 million a year. Um, and uh, my partner and I, it wasn't that we didn't get along. That that wasn't the deal. It's just, I was going to all the CE and I was at all the continuing ed and I wanted to charge. I've, I've been to Panky. I've been, I mean, been to Dawson and been, you know, all these places, Mish and, and I wanted to charge higher fees and use a higher end lab to do my work. And he said, and, and so I wanted to raise my fee and he said, well, I'm going to raise my fee too, but he didn't really want to use any other lab except the one he'd been using. Right. And there was just a, that, that to me was kind of an integrity issue. I didn't feel good about. So I just said, okay, I'm selling. So I sold. Long story short, I bought it back two years later. They basically Rain gave me back the practice. It was uh, it was one of those situations where it was a great opportunity for me to come back and continue what I had started. But then in uh, just a couple of years ago, I actually sold uh, to Heartland. That was nine years ago. Uh, I was 55 years old. And Obamacare was coming around the corner. And we had a lot of employees. And I, I was worried. And my buddies over at McKinney, uh, Marvin Berlin, and those guys sold. And uh, they had been through PDA, Productive Dentist. And, mm -hmm. of course, they, they got a really good deal with Heartland. And they came to me. And, and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I sold. And people said, you know, at first, uh, it didn't feel right. But, you know, I look back over the nine years. It's, they, they were a great company. They, they still are doing things, I think, the right way. Uh, I have... Um, you know, it, I, I would have made more money by staying around for nine know, years. I don't know if you got <laughs> death threats, but you certainly got a lot of hate. Um, and um, I, I it, it's kind of funny. Um, I haven't gotten quite as much since I since I partnered with MB2, but um, yep. definitely uh, a lot of people who who are detractors of that model. I personally think it's the model of the future. Um, yeah. I don't know that the private private practitioner will ever disappear, but I, I definitely think there's safety in numbers. But. Yeah, I, I think that that's true. I mean, I'm there's always going to be, uh, I think, the super groups that that have you know maybe specialists or maybe just some super GPs in there that are doing it. Uh, this kind of like the way that Ryan's doing Ryan it Dunlop out there. Doing exactly. Yeah. They're, they're, you know they're, hey, you should be paying me for this, Ryan. That won't. <laughs> that will not. That's not going to go away at all. Um, 
I sold basically out of fear. And, uh, and, and that's, again, do, do I think it was a mistake looking back today? Do I think it was a mistake? No, I, I don't think so. I'm going to take just one sec. Bring back yeah, questions. I've got to get my charger for my, for my computer. So, guys, uh, Bruce Baird will be back in just a couple of seconds for this conversation we're having. Uh, go ahead and start dropping some questions now. And uh, as we're as we're navigating this this uh, story of how he built his practice up and the lessons that he learned, uh, go ahead and um, go ahead and drop your questions in there. If you've ever wanted to talk to uh, to one of the grandmasters of dentistry, uh, most certainly one of the grandmasters of business of dentistry. Um, then, uh, Sorry, this guys. It's your opportunity. I was Sorry, saying bad uh, things about you. It's okay. So anyway. That's okay. But I've been on podcasts and webinars all day and I forgot to charge my computer. I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. Sorry about that. So Ryan, um, Ryan asks, how can a traditional office, you know, three to four ops, one hygiene, no digital, PPO heavy, how are they going to be able to adapt to this post-COVID environment? What are the smartest moves for this summer? Well, I th first of all, I think it's going to be extremely difficult. Uh, and the reason being, uh, just looking at sterilization techniques and new things that we're going to have to do, I don't think the turn in the room in three minutes is going to be the same. Uh, that, you know, there, this aerosol, whether it's a high-speed handpiece or whether it's a ultrasonic mm -hmm. or piezo, I mean, this is... This is uh, COVID time. So Absolutely. we're going to have new, new ways of doing things and it's going to change. And I would much rather be in a personally be in a fee for service environment where I'm seeing less patients and longer procedures than I would be charging 40% less and having to do 50% more for sterilization. There's going to be a lot of practices that are going to fall by the wayside. And, I, uh, I'm, I'm predicting about 20% of the dental practices yep. out there are going to go under. Um, and I'm basing that on some real numbers that, I, that I've seen. Um, I've also I believe seen, that. I've also seen the CDC recommendations for um, the new sterilization techniques. And believe me, some people are going to be very, very um, unpleasantly surprised by some of the things we're recommending. So, yeah, but, but you're going to need to do it to, to, to protect your own life and your family's life and everything else. So now, yeah, now I'm hearing two camps here and I, I tend to fall into the, into the, uh, no surprise here. I tend to fall into your camp about fee for service. Um, I'm hearing a lot of people say, I'd love to drop insurance, but gosh, this just isn't the time. A, I'll hear, how can I abandon my patients? Which makes me think that person needs to learn a lot more about business because you yeah. can't provide for your patients if you're broke. You just can't. Yeah. And, nope. and, and people, <laughs> let me tell you right now, Bruce, I think you'll agree with me. There is no, no nobility in poverty. None. I agree. I agree. So you can't do the kind of dentistry that. you want to do. You can't do the kind of dentistry you want to do. And what we're going to find is that, you know, uh, patients, I, I mean, from, from my perspective, we know things are going to change. We know that people's uh, FICO scores are going to drop. We know that conventional financing is going to be more difficult to get. We know that even people with cash are going to hold on to that cash. Uh, we know. And so, you know, we're going to have to come up with different ideas and different ways of doing things for sure. You, you actually, um, you've got a product uh, right now that I use personally myself, uh, which hold on one second. 
I thought I'd turn those messages off. I have a, you have a product that, you, that I use personally myself, which is of course, compassionate finance. And um, right. I think at one point I had a quarter million dollars, correct me if I'm wrong. I know you looked at the numbers. I think I had a quarter yeah. million dollars in, in finance charges. Absolutely. So um, that is definitely something I want to cover with you. And folks, before everyone starts screaming, um, although one of Bruce's companies may in the future um, sponsor my podcast, I don't have any financial arrangements with them at this point. So, right. and can you confirm that? Uh, absolutely. No, you just been using it and loving it. That's why, that, that's, that's why, that's why I asked you one today, honestly. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I feel as if those, there, there, there are several things I want to actually highlight that you do. Um, Abila, I think is going to be huge for a lot of practices. And I got an email uh, from you guys saying something about uh, some free service or reduced cost service. And I want you to talk about that because I think that's yeah. huge because people don't have their teams out there working right now to collect that AR. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how people emerge and schedule productively. And I also want to talk a little bit about compassionate finance because I think that those okay. two pieces are going to help people to recover from this. And honestly, it's what I, I, what I use to help me to bill fee for service. And if people are wanting to do that, uh, I, I, I can't think of a better time personally myself. I don't um, live in I a world of fear more. and a lot of dentists do. They're deathly afraid that they're going to lose these patients, but they're going to be making pennies on the dollar on these patients. You know, that's no question. No question. Yeah. I mean, the, one of the things about doing financing, I mean, especially in this particular time, like I say, there are going to be less people that get approved for the other types. Absolutely. And then people need help being able to pay for it. And what we know after doing over 300 million in notes uh, for dentists all across the country is, is that 95% of people pay. Uh, there's 5% that are going to hose you. And well, what happens? Well, you've got a couple of thought processes. One process is, uh, so I have, let's just say I have 8% of the people default and not pay. Right. Uh, we know that interest off the others offset risk. And we even know that the worst of the worst, the ones who are in the below 600 subprime category, they still pay, but they default at about a 17% rate, which people will say, well, I'd never do that. Well, the people who are saying I'd never do that, I would never do a loan where I have a 17% default. Imagine signing up for a PPO where you have a 40% default the day you sign up. Absolutely. Or more. Makes no sense business-wise. Makes no sense. But they're so worried about having a 17% default. But let me explain. If you have a 17% default, what you have is 83% of the people paying full fee, right. not a discounted fee, full fee, and paying at 17.9% interest. Oh, well, my patients wouldn't want to pay 17.9. The people who are under a 600 credit score are used to paying a 30% interest rate. They're used to going to the pawn shop and getting charged, you know, 5% a month. These people need help and who's helping them? Nobody. And so all of us across the country are trying, you know, there's this many people that need to be helped. This is the number that get helped and that everybody's marketing to. They're the ones who are prime and have money but no one's doing anything for these. So it's yeah, a, it's you know, a joke. A lot of them guys, if you know that I am doing a Facebook live, Glenn Vo, stop messaging me. Anyway, Hi, so, um, 
we, we, we've got to, we've got to uh, get together after all of this COVID stuff has uh, calmed down and, uh, and, and share a, uh, share a bottle of, of uh, crown. So oh, you bet. Uh, was good times, good times, man. So anyway, um, I, I didn't want to go down a rabbit hole and take you off of your story, but I think that some of these things that you've put into place are just really great tools for people both now and in the recovery. And I do want to get to those, but I, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to harp on them guys. This is not a sales pitch. Yeah. Like I mean, the thing right now about up. compassionate, the thing about compassionate finance, it's not the time right this minute, right. you know, uh, you know, it, it will be the time when you start back up. Right. But one of the things that we've, we've done with Abella, which is basically an account receivable software, is we've waived all the fees. There is no cost to do it. Um, and what it does is it automates your collection process. And people, people will say, well, this software does that, and that software does this, and I have this. It does text messaging. No, Abella does use text messaging like nine other companies but the other companies don't have a web portal that they allows them to pay and make monthly payments and do whatever. We're collecting 53% of over 90 without any human interaction. So if you have your team, yeah, if you have your team sitting at home, they're not calling people to get collections. And then I've had people say, well, you don't want to do collections. That's kind of mean during this time. Trust me, People who are on unemployment that you laid off from your office are making more money than they were working for you. Yep. And all the school teachers are making their money. Everybody, there are people that still have money and they still want to pay their bills, but you have nobody calling them. You have nobody working well, it. And when, this you, and is, when you did have someone calling them, Bruce, they weren't home because they were any, working. Yeah, they were working. That's exactly right. And so this is the way 88% of people said they wanted a different way of paying. This is a different way. And patients can use a credit card, they can use their HSA, they can use a debit card, they can do whatever. And what we find is people are paying. And so bottom line is, it used to have a $1,000 setup fee, it's gone until July 1st, we had $289 a month or $299 a month. And that's not a collection fee. We don't charge anything to collect. It's just a set fee of $2.99 a month. And it's helping your team that's not working now, but it helps them even when they are working. Because what we know, most practices has one person that works insurance and accounts receivable. 83% of their time is spent on hold with insurance companies and talking to them. 17% is called collecting. And the bad part is they always go to the same list to do the collections and they always work top to bottom. They never get to the $81 or the $52. They never get to that. And what we find is by automating the process, patients love paying that way. They don't want to have somebody call saying I have an $81 bill. They don't mind seeing it and say, yep, I'll pay it. And, and it's all done online. So we've waived the two, $299. So it literally, there's no obligation. If you decided you wanted to use it, until July 1st. Come July 1st, you'll have to make a decision. Hey guys, I love it. Or guys, I, I don't want to do it anymore. We don't care one way or the other, but I do know that the docs are using it now and that we've signed up just in the last two weeks under this, this deal. They're picking up four, $5,000 a week, 6,000 a week in collections, 25,000 over the month you know, that they wouldn't have had, and this is helping them in their business. And I know our product's good enough where I'm not worried about doing it for free now. Uh, we'll do it. And, and free has to be qualified because there's a, there's a processing fee of two and a half percent, just like, like you're using credit card. 
yeah, it's a merchant services fee. And I can't waive that because otherwise I'm paying for you to use the product and that wouldn't make any sense. But otherwise it's no cost. You don't want to pay for us to use it? No, hell no. <laughs> all right, man. So all that aside, um, oh, um, Brian uh, to Ronnie says, hi. Hey, Brian. And, uh, right. And uh, Glenn says, Bruce is a baller, the baller, not a baller. <laughs> and um, Ryan Dunlop said, Bruce is the wolf of dental street. So, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, that was, what a great movie. <laughs> it was, absolutely. That, and Smokes yeah. Guys in the, uh, was that the different movie? That was, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. so uh, back on track. So yep. we got to the 80s. <laughs> and you've got, yeah, we got to the 80s. interest rates. And um, so a lot of people are whining and moaning because of the interest rates whenever they open their practice. Now, these are some of the lowest interest rates in history. Ever. So they're certainly lower than when I opened my practice. Yeah. My buddy, my buddies that got out of school in 1980, I went in the army and interest rates were down to the nine to 10% range when I got out of the service, but they were paying 18% interest on their building loans. So, Hey, things have changed. It's a great time, great time to be a dentist. I just did a program for the dental students at University of Texas in San Antonio. And I said, hey, it's the platinum age. Then this hit. Uh, I still think when we come out on the other side, there's going to be certain things you can do to either benefit greatly or fall behind. And, Absolutely. you know, well, and there's, uh, all there's we're doing is looking for going ahead. There's definitely something that, um, that, that's to be said for that. Anytime there's a huge upheaval, we're talking about there being opportunities in all of these social upheaval events. And the opportunity almost always takes the form of doing things in a different way or doing things in a way that everyone said couldn't be done. Because there's right. only two possibilities there. If people say it can't be done. It's either difficult to do right, but when you get it right and you nail it, it is an absolute cracker jack, money cow, a cash cow. Yeah. And the other thing is everybody's right <laughs> and it really can't be done. Sure. You got to figure sure. that out for yourself, but that's, that's the nature of these events. Look around yourself, find out what no one's doing. Do it. Well, I'll share one thing that I think would help the listeners. And it is, uh, you know, something, and you've been through productive dentist Academy and, and it's the scheduling and scheduling is what makes the difference between somebody being uh, highly productive and not being highly productive. It's not how fast we do the dentistry, but this is a unique time doc, because you know, when was the last time you had 80 patients or 120 patients that don't have an appointment that used to, that right. you're going to need to call and have them come back and get on your schedule. We've never had this in history. Here's what I'm recommending to my docs is this make a list all your patient names that you had to take off the schedule, phone number, email address, and how much work they had to do. Right. So maybe one was a three unit bridge plus a couple of fill-ins for three thirty-five hundred, And then this was two crowns and this was a crown. What you're going to have the opportunity to do and what I don't want you to do is I don't want you just to tell your team, okay, girls, or I say girls, that shouldn't be saying that, but okay, team, call everybody and then uh, get them on the schedule. No, don't do that. You direct where you want them in that schedule. And you, if you've been used to doing 400 an hour or 3,200 a day, right. I want you to go back and I want you to do 8,000 a day. 
And I want you to say, because you can do it, it's not about time, put the productive procedures in. And my expectation is in one month, if you've been doing 70,000 a month or 80,000 a month, this month, when you start back, if you plan it properly, you're going to do 160,000 in that month. Now that's going to eliminate one whole month that you had when you were off. Okay. And do the same thing. You're also going to have to have a different mindset on same day dentistry because you're going to have pent up demand. There's going to be emergencies. There's going to be people who are broken and you're going to need to fix them. That's going to be same day dentistry. Give them some financing options and let them have that. And the third thing is, you know, you're going to have to be the guider and the director of this. Uh, if you want to uh, come out, my goal for this year is going to be, it's not going to be a 5% growth over last year because we've lost a couple of months. Right. But I certainly believe that every dentist can do exactly what they did last year, even though they had three months off. What that's going to show you is, okay, well, maybe I need to take some more time off and change the way I work, you know, because I worked Mondays and Tuesdays for 15 years and I was able to produce. So it's not I about still, the time you've lost. I still you know, haven't caught up with you, Bruce. <laughs> well, I'm on it's not days. about the time. It's not about the time you lost. It's about what are you going to do the time you have? And if you can go in clear headed, knowing exactly how to do that. And, and that's what we're working with our docs on now. And I, I, um, I'll say one of the most useful things um, that I ever got out of PDA was just a single sheet of paper. I think you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. It's the one you hand your, your receptionist. I've actually reworked it since then because there's a couple of sure. things I added and changed and kind of tweak it. But you hand it to your receptionist and basically, guys, it's a decision tree. And it says, if, then, do this. You know, hey, you schedule high, 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 high production slots. You schedule only these things in there and you schedule it by the amount of money that you make. And I think a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around scheduling by productivity <laughs> um, because it's just not the traditional thing that people do. But man, if you've got four or five high production blocks in your day and the rest of it is you have set times for emergencies because emergencies should always have a set time because otherwise they completely screw up your flow. You have to make right. sure that you, you think about it. And Bruce has done a lot of that work for you. Uh, to, to be honest with you, as I said, I, I've used it, I've modified it, but the base of it all came from Bruce. I mean, he gives yeah, you- Yeah, well, everybody modifies, you know, sheet. I did too. Right. So you yeah. guys give out actually an Excel sheet that says, I, at least you used to, I don't know if you still do. Yep. Basically, it's however many number of ops you have, how much do you want to make a year? Yep. Okay, we'll schedule this much. And yep. what's amazing to me is that Again, harking back to our conversation earlier where I said it's because people haven't tried to do it the right way. That's why things are impossible. This is one of them. Um, <laughs> the, um, the thing, oh, you saw that, did you? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm getting um, hit. Yeah, he messaged both of us. Ryan, stop it. I know, I'm getting hit with messages just like you. <laughs> so the thing is, is that I didn't understand scheduling broad productivity. And I was probably one of the most pain in the ass clients whenever I went to you. Um, I am, um, <laughs> don't tell them, but um, it was, um, it was hard for me to figure it out. It, it was, it was hard for me to believe it, but whenever we just put it into place and we use the templates that you told us to use, it was like magic. It's like all of a sudden people just wanted to be guided. They're like, you know, forget this. Oh, can you come in the morning? Can you come in? When, when can you come in? None of that crap. 
okay, you've got this time, this time, and this time. Because one of the things is, is controlling the schedule, right? Right. It's built, it's baked into this. It's baked into scheduling by productivity. There's so many neat things that you guys have actually encompassed in this one system. So I I, I think that's why it works so well. Anyway, well, I'm, thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm I done, being a, done being a fanboy there, but well, you know, it's, it's counterintuitive and that's what makes it so difficult. It's not what we were taught. It's different. Just like compassionate finance, doing your own financing, very different, 180 degrees different. I like doing things 180 degrees different than the way we were taught, because if I can find a way to do it better and it's different than we were taught, well then I got something to talk about. So, you know, you know that's what I like doing. It's funny. There's a, as you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of different people. I, we, we run in some very elite circles with, with the people that we know. And um, it's funny how much of uh, Christopher Phelps's persuasion is built into the scheduling system. Um, Absolutely. Also, and, and he would agree completely with what you just said about 180 degrees opposite. A lot of the things that you do are Paul homily. So, yeah. I, I, great, great classes to take again, folks, if you get a chance to, uh, Christopher Phelps, shout out to you. Amazing, amazing classes on how to talk to your patients on how to convince Absolutely. them to do work ethically and, um, Dr. Homily as well, but it's, it's, it's all baked in, you know, if you're going to was the first, course, Paul was the first guy that ever really taught case presentation skills. Right. And Paul and I have been friends since 1985. We were implant guys together when he was still mm-hmm. practicing. And we were, uh, and I've been to his not only speakers course, but uh, been to a business management course he did back in like 87. And it was in Charlotte. And um, oh gosh, uh, Bob Salvin was in the room. And we, uh, we were talking about productivity and uh, really interesting. That's, so that's those are things really, that all shaped my career. That's another really, really nice guy, Bob. Oh gosh. Bob. You know, I, Great I, friend. First time, I, first time I met him was over at um, Todd Ingalls implant course. And um, he walks in the room, like, just like, he's just kind of a nobody, real humble, you know, sat down, shot the shit with us at lunch. I didn't even know who he was until someone, someone mentioned it. I was like, wait a minute, this yeah. is the sovereign guy. Super, super nice guy. But um, yeah, and that's what, honestly, guys, that's what you'll find. Um, Great, Ryan, just water today, man. Just water. Um, let me see here. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan says something really important here, uh, and I'm going to actually take it a step further. He says, don't forget there's going to be two to three months of pent-up demand for dental services when we open. Uh, should we be cutting back on advertising or doubling down? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a step further. Um, people are going to be having conditions that degenerate. And there is going to be more than just two to three months pent up demand. I don't know if you guys have been looking at the Reddit boards or looking at any message boards on the internet, but people are going apeshit saying, I need to get into the dentist, but my dentist won't see me. So once we open these floodgates, it's going to be huge. And, um, oh, uh, Magna Dasani says, I've learned so much from Bruce. Uh, oh, Magna, she is, we're she learning is from you now. It, aren't we? She's just yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. That's so a, anyway, speak, speak to that advertising now, double down on it, wait. And I think probably the answer is a combination of the two, but it would require well, I, a crystal ball and knowing when we open. Yeah, I think it is. I, I think that, uh, well, from, from my perspective, 
the first two months or three months, you could fill productively with people you have in your own waiting wings, you know, that, that right. need to get in to see you, plus pent-up demand of patients who you hadn't seen but need to see you now. So you're going to have that. However, I would not stop marketing at all. I would, I would tend to start marketing the, the way we've done it, we've always done educational marketing, and I've done that for years. Our average new patient comes from 60, 70 miles away. So we're, we're, we're used to having people from Dallas come to Granbury, Texas to have their work done because they, their perception is that we're the place to come, and that's the reality, their reality, it's the place to come. They may pass. You just, you just said a mouthful right there. That yeah, those are golden secrets right there. Yeah, they may pass 150 CERAC machines to come to us because through our marketing, we have built a philosophy that, hey, we are the place to come. And that's what our marketing is about, education, education. So what I would personally be educating about for maybe the first two months when I got back is what are my newest sterilization techniques that I'm doing in my practice. I'm, we now have an inversion system. I don't know what it is. And I'm doing a lot of research in that area. And I have a lot of friends that are. Uh, we're going to put together something that is a package that our office will be able to differentiate themselves from the regular practices. And I think that's going to be important because people don't want to come and, you know, uh, to an area that they don't feel like is, is safe. Uh, and the, the other part of this is, and I think it's going to be not only is that a marketing opportunity, but I, I also think that people, it, it gives you that that unique selling proposition that you're doing something that no one else is doing. Even if everyone else is doing it, if you concentrate on marketing that, you're the only one that's doing it. I, I, use, a, I, I use this kind of a deal at PDA, and you've heard it before, but I said, how many of you have fiber optics on your handpiece? Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody raises their hand. I've had fiber optics on my handpiece since 1980. So, but, but the question was, do your patients know that you have fiber optics on your handpiece? And everybody goes, well, I don't know. Well, why would they? I tell them, look at the lights on this. Can you believe this? Isn't this cool? Well, it's mm -hmm. the same thing with our new sterilization techniques. It's the same thing with anything that we do that's new. We want that to be exciting. We want that to be something that's different and new and great. And I think, yes, you're going to go back into your regular marketing. I don't think you have to spend quite as much initially when you get back, but you also want to go social media is huge. Uh, Facebook, talking to your patients, get, sending them correspondence. These are all things that you're going to do. And in my book right now, that's marketing. So it doesn't necessarily have to be high end radio uh, for the first month or two. But if you've built a reputation of being on radio, if you've built a reputation of being wherever it is, I wouldn't eliminate it. I might lower it a little and then ramp it up. So as your productivity ramps up. Good points. Good points. What are your, what are your thoughts on um, self-made educational videos and things like that that are put out on your website, on Facebook, emailed to your client list? Sorry, client list. Your patients, for those of you who don't think in business. So yep. what do you think about that? Absolutely. I mean, I, what I do, you know, we've done, you know, yeah. I mean, we've, we've done it now. You can do it very, very effectively and very cost effectively, but being able to send out to your database of patients, Hey, I just, I miss you guys. 
you know, just something simple as, man, I miss you guys. I cannot wait till we come back to work. Here's what we're doing that is going to differentiate us uh, from the way it used to be. Lives have changed. Things are different. But the more you can communicate to your teams and the more you can communicate to your patients, the better you're going to be. Uh, they, they, they have confusion, and what they need is confidence. They don't need additional confusion. They need your confidence right now. In my Let me see if I can channel Bruce Beard. Hey guys, <laughs> it's so difficult for most, most dentists. Basically, they go to high school, they go to college, they go to dental school, they get out. This is their first real job in their life. They've never done anything else. It's kind of hard for you people to actually talk to a patient. It's kind of hard for you to associate with a patient and find anything that you can link with on them, things that you have as a, as a, that's a commonality you have just had a huge life-changing event that's exactly the same as they did. So this is something you should be talking about. You should be talking Couldn't about. Couldn't agree more. You know, it's, to me, it's common sense. Of course, I, I learned from the master. Yeah, and uh, I did too, you know, Paul Homley. <laughs> you know, Paul, and I can name, I can go down the list of all the guys, you know, uh, that, have, that have helped me you know, um, in learning to communicate better. I, I, I know that some people are natural, good communicators, but even those folks need training. Even those folks need, need structure. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's what we do. That's what Absolutely. we do. So um, Ryan wants to know if you think this is the death of the traditional waiting room. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I, I I don't think so. Uh, if I look across at 80% of the practices out there being some type of a PPO type practice, mm -hmm. uh, there's no way that you're going to be able to see that volume without having a waiting room. I think it's going to be very different. I don't know how it's going to look, truthfully. I, and I've, I've been talking to a lots of people, infectious disease people. Uh, you know, we've got, we're, <laughs> it may be that that's the end of it. That goes back to the old LVI days or my buddies that had a bell that would ring at the door and they had a camera in front and, and they would bring the, there was no waiting room at all. So it's been around before. Uh, I don't think we're going to end up there, but there'll be some combination of that possibly. I just, I'm actually getting excited thinking, what can I do with that square footage? But um, no, I, I agree with you. It's uh, I think the reception area is here to stay. Um, Honestly, I want them in there because that's where my, um, as, as uh, Christopher Phelps calls it, his love me wall. That's where all yeah. of my publications are and, you know, awards and junk like that. I want the patient sitting there looking at those. Sure. You sure. know, great opportunity. Absolutely. Oh, Jeff, uh, I think you may know this guy, this uh, Jeff oh. Busky something or other, you know. Busky. Hey, Jeff. So, How are so you, tell, buddy? Tell everyone a little bit about Jeff, and, and, and let's get back on track with our, our previous discussion. Okay. So you well, Jeff's your practice, you got your practice back, you rebuilt your practice, you finally, you took on this associate. I believe you'd had a couple before that didn't really work out for you, and then you yeah. found this guy. So talk yep. to us a little yep. bit about that transition. Oh, I wish he was on because he would tell you how we really met. But bottom line is we met and uh, uh, we became, uh, he became an associate, eventually became a partner. And uh, Jeff is probably one of the most clinically gifted clinicians that, uh, that I've ever been around. He is a, he's a master dentist and uh, it's been fun practicing with him for the last 15 years. He also is doing a new course called Dental Syndicate 
which uh, is working on uh, working with some of our docs that we've been working with on uh, you know the 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 life the lifestyle the uh, you know financial and and the freedom that you can have and all those Absolutely. and I'm I'm really I'm really excited for for Jeff uh, in that endeavor. So he's for he's sure good people. I, I tell you what, I don't know if I ever go gray, if I'm ever going to look quite as good with that, uh, that, that gray goatee yeah. that you've got going on there. You know? I know, I know. Well, I'm the old guy, so I can look however I want. I mean, I can right. come in here and I've got pox all over my face. Like I say, the living dead right now, but, uh, but no, you know, we, you know, we built, built a practice and, uh, you know, have specific, what I call net zero marketing, which is we market our business and we do it at a certain percentage, uh, 8%. Uh, and the bigger our practice grew, the more we had to market and the, the more we drove our overhead percentages down, which people say, I don't have enough money to market. Well, we know now that PPOs, all they are are marketing companies. They're not really insurance I companies. I have said that for years and yep. people don't yep. understand it, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. And not only is it, marketing it's the most expensive least effective form of marketing horrible you know, <laughs> you know hey what's guys your... check this out i'm gonna send you some patients and you're gonna work on them and you're gonna basically pay me 40 percent of whatever they pay you that's right that's all it that's is right. yep the oh, i know the principles of pda since 2004 it simply works jeff yes it does so Bruce, how did you get into all of these other businesses? Um, so I, I, I'm probably the last person to ask. Uh, you, you and I have discussed a couple of things I'm doing. But yep. for me, it was a natural progression with um, just the connections that I made here um, and also with um, traveling whenever I'm you know, traveling different CEs and things like that, meeting people uh, and just being a, kind of a gregarious kind of a person. I know you to be a, an incredibly gregarious kind of person. Uh, we got to hang out a good bit over in Jamaica. Um, Absolutely. And, um, so I imagine it, that probably had something to do with it. The fact that you always seize an opportunity whenever you see it, but tell, tell us, how did this develop? How did you go from being just quote, just a dentist to teaching other people with PDA and then compassionate finance and now Abella? You know, somebody, uh, and I can't remember who it was. It might've been my dad but I don't know, uh, told me I was probably, I don't know, 18, 17, 18 years old. And, and I was, I've always been a tink, tinker with, you know, with any method of doing something, I want to find a easier, but my dad said, right. learn how to do something uh, better than anyone else and then teach others to do it. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm better or that I feel like I'm better, but if I come up with a new way of doing something, then I want to share it and that becomes a business opportunity. And, and so that's kind of how it all started, you know, in my mind, it was like always tinkering with things. It's like when I was in dental school, you know, we had to wax up a crown on a type of dot tooth and I go, what a waste of time. You know, this is my, mind thinking what a waste of time so I came up with a stamping uh, a way to take two plastic cups using alginate and actually stamp guys crowns out now yep. I I charge I would charge them like five bucks 
And I would say, all right, hey, bring it over five bucks. I'll stamp you a crown out. So I'd, it might have been one dollar. I don't know. I might have done it for free. I don't know. But I would stamp there because you had to wax up a number 14. Boom, I'd stamp it out. Well, I made stamps for every single tooth in the type of dog. Nice. Um, I also learned how to, uh, how to do, uh, how to solder bridges when we were casting gold bridges i learned how to solder i could solder anything so guys would have a miscast after waxing something for a week and then they have a miscast i'll take care of that for you yeah i got it so i'd get my i'd get my loops and goggles and i'd get in there and i'd solder it look beautiful so i don't know i'm always trying to any system that's out there i believe there may be a better way and that's all the way my mind thinks. So, well, you're also you're also a very um, entrepreneurial kind of guy. I I don't know about you. My first business was in the sixth grade. I actually um, I lived. If you remember back in the the early '80s, there weren't a lot of environmental controls, and um, we had a porta john place right down the street from us that was dumping shit in the ditch. And by shit, I mean literally, it was shit. Yep. So. Um, clover is an indicator species, so it mutates extremely rapidly. So we had seven, eight, 10 leaf clovers. So what I would do every morning before I go and get on the bus is I go pick a handful of these clovers and I pluck off all the leaves except for four and I'd sell them for $5 a piece at school. My first <laughs> well, I, I did. I, I'll tell you my third grade, my third grade job on the, on the curbs, you know how you'd spray paint the number on the curbs. Right. This is back. Well, I would go around and I, I got stencils and I got spray paint third grader. Actually, I was fourth grader mm -hmm. and I went around and it was like, it was uh, $4 or $3 for one side of the curb and it would be $5 for two. I went around, it was a summer break and I went around, I probably made 200 bucks in a day. That was back yes, when was my, dad, my dad was not making that much money flying helicopters. <laughs> and so I thought, this is so good. I'm going to hire third graders to do it for me. Then I had quality control issues and I had people calling my dad and that was the end of that business. So right. I, I've, I've had lots of businesses, uh, you know, it's the you scaling. learn. It's the scaling, Bruce. It's the scale. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking I was going to so, be, you know, so be I'm worth ignoring, I'm ignoring Jeff and Ryan right now. They're asking uh, between the two of us how many businesses we are at least part owners of. And um, uh, a lady I have, doesn't tell. <laughs> well, I've had as many at one time as nine companies, but uh, I've narrowed things down to five companies. So that's... Is that wholly owned or is that partnerships? Um, wholly owned on four and uh, on three, uh, majority shareholder of one and partner on another. Nice. Yeah, Vicki McManus and I are partners with Productive Dentist. I don't think Bruce slept for at least three days after the idea of compassionate finance. He had run about a thousand. Dude, I am not kidding. Bruce and his, Bruce, no offense, dude. Bruce and his damn spreadsheets, man. He can talk to you. He gets excited about spreadsheets. And, I do. Uh, it's, That's uh, my porn. I, I wish, I wish that, um, I wish sometimes I was that meticulous. Uh, I, it's, it's hilarious because you get, I'm picking on you here, but you get giddy. Like, hold on, I've got a spreadsheet for that. Let me show you. It's, Let me uh, show you. It's, it's, it's a hell of a good skill though, you know? Well, it is. It is. And uh, I'm actually, while we're off right now, not doing much, I'm going to be taking a course. Uh, I'm going to be taking a course on, uh, before I'm getting dinged lit up. So, oh, but anyway. Goodness. I thought I was, I was looking around. I was like, what's coming? No, it was me. <laughs> I'm, 
I, you know, it, it's, it just is what it is. You know, I enjoy, I enjoy spreadsheets. I like it to say it's, it's my, it's my porn. I, I can, I get pretty excited about it. So. <laughs> oh, no, oh Lord. Um, I actually, I made a joke about that. Uh, the other guys, uh, please, uh, if you are easily offended, just turn to me out right now. Um, so the other day I was making a joke and someone said, well, with all this, with all this downturn, what are you investing in? And I said, I think I'm going to invest in the porn industry because everybody's going to be sitting at home. They're going to be bored. Yeah, and then right. I, I swear to God, I got an email um, from a buddy of mine who I'd been talking to about it. And it was actually, um, there's this, this online porn company, I guess, that's offering free, free lifetime memberships or free three month memberships to everybody who wants them who's oh been affected God. by COVID. I went, Oh my God, I was just joking. <laughs> But that's crazy. Oh, that's man, crazy. it really is. What is what is and the I'm biggest flaw that most dentists have on the business end? Oh, man. Huh. I'm going to let you go with that one. <laughs> I mean, the biggest flaw is we just don't have experience. Many of us have never had any experience. We didn't have a, a good course on it. Um, the truth is, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm basically, I'm, I'm about 150 pages into a book that by the time this is over, I will have finished, but it is really start to finish kind of how to, how to set up the business, how to market, how to do all those things, Which book is at it? least in my perspective and the way that I like to do it. But, and it'll be a, a kind of an easy read. Truthfully, oh, okay, you're writing it. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, I, and, I, thought you, truth, I thought you were saying you were reading one. And no, I'm writing it. And and the truth is, um, dentistry is not that hard of a business if you just understand a few things. And uh, you know, and I think the most important thing is not uh, not being guided by your accountant getting you your information five weeks after the fact. Uh, most dentists, that's what they do. You know, you get I got my P and L you know what? I don't give a crap about depreciation. I don't give a crap about all those things that, that accountants talk about. Mm -hmm. I want to have QuickBooks that is a cash in cash out, cash out accounting that I have a chart of accounts. I know where every single penny in my business is being spent. Every single penny is budgeted with a budget to actual, and I'm able to track and learn my business by doing that. And once I've got that down, the rest of dentistry is pretty easy because now you can take care of your patients because you know what you're doing. I call it predictive analytics. I'm, I'm predicting what my revenue will be. I'm predicting what my expenses are going to be. I'm predict, predicting my own personal income. And I'm able to predict that so accurately. Jeff will tell you if he's still on, but Jeff will say, I mean, we would plan a year out and that year we would hit our targets the whole year. Why? Yeah, because we there's, there's a phenomenon there that you're not speaking to. And that is the fact that if you make those predictions, then you have a goal. People right. I think work without goals far too much. If you don't have a goal, you're not going anywhere. You're, you're just spinning your wheels. You know, you have to That's pick right. a direction and drive. And, you know, for me, I think the biggest failing that dentists have as businessmen and, and this was my failing as well. And so maybe I'm, I'm projecting. I believe that most of us want desperately to be good physicians. We want to be desperate. Right. We desperately want to be um, practicing the skills that we were taught to practice. 
and and we feel a failing whenever a patient can't pay. And so we decide we cut our fees so that we can do it. I, 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 I say a lot of times, a lot of times when people ask me that the only reason that most dentists are still in business is because we make enough money that we can be really shitty business people. And that is coming to an end because those that margins is. are getting smaller and smaller. And the that other is. thing is that people, as I said earlier, they confuse poverty and nobility. And I can help more people the more money I make. I can help people in my community. I can help my team members to grow. I can develop new skills. I can take these amazing classes like Ryan Dunlop's full on master's right. course. But uh, I, if I you had can do more charity time, cases. You can help more patients. You can do more charity cases. You can do whatever I'll, you want. I'll tell you, Bruce, one of the big things that I do and I always have done them. And I don't even, I don't even remember why I started doing this, but basically every year I find either one or two people and we do what's called a Christmas miracle and we do a complete full mouth transformation. And it's usually, it's usually not fixed, but it might be fixed this year. We'll, we'll see after I take Ryan's course, but usually it's removable upper and lower denture people who have had just a horrible, horrible experience. Um, I had this one lady, the first one I did, uh, she, um, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to tear up on this. And she had not left the house in eight years. Yeah. Her son had died on his birthday, no less. And, um, I still get every November, I still get a message from her that says, thank you for changing my life because she came to me and she had no money. She had no prospects and really she just wanted someone to talk to. And I know you've been in that position too, where oh, they yeah. just, they don't even know what to do. And I talked to my team and I said, look, you know, it's going to cost us $9,000 to do this case. But I think that's worth it. I think we, if we get a, a media waiver from her and we tell her story and we do before and afters, that it'll, it'll, it'll be a very good thing for her. It'll be a good thing for us too. We'll get great publicity. And you, you do get some, some people coming in, oh, hey, you know, hey, do mine for free too. But basically just set the spe expectation. Hey, every year we do one case. And we'll put you yep. in the drawing for the next year and yep. just have some discipline. But you're right. Sure. Charity cases, they, they build your reputation in the community. They make you feel good about what you do and they remind you why you're doing it. Yeah. I, for I think me, there's almost I, nothing more powerful. Yeah. For me, I, you know, we've done charity cases that we did on TV that we did use in our marketing. And I've done charity cases where I just talking to a patient and I realized they couldn't do it. And look, Let's just do it, you know, and it's, mm -hmm. it's it, when you're, when you're extremely profitable and you're right. extremely productive and money, no, longer becomes, no, no money no longer becomes a concern. That's when you can become extremely generous and you can do whatever the heck you want and you don't have to worry about it. And, and it lowers your blood pressure. It, it know, you know, you're doing the right thing and, and it's fun. So that's, that's what else can you do in a business, uh, uh, even better than that. So that's helping other people. And I have to say, Jeff uh, brought something up and he's absolutely spot on. Targets are better than goals. They're more meaningful. They're more specific. Um, I absolutely agree, Jeff. And I, 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 I'll take that correction. I should have said targets. Um, so whenever my, my, my wife and I run businesses very differently, um, I, I think she's better at it than I am, uh, to be truthful. But um, what she does is she actually budgets her giving every year. She actually yeah. has a dollar amount and every month she actually puts dollars into a fund, parts of the profit. 
And when that, when that fund's out, it's out. It's done. There's no more charity that year. And I think that what you're tapping into there and what you're talking about is something that all of us do, but without the discipline of having that spreadsheet, the, the, the Bruce Baird spreadsheet, you know? So yeah. tell us a little bit, do, do you actually budget yours like my wife does or, or do you, um, you know, do you just kind personally, of personally? Yeah. Personally, we run a budget and we do, you know, charity giving is part of our budget. Uh, you know, church giving that's part of our budget. Right. Um, in the practice, I call it retained earnings and anywhere a, a new practitioner might put, nothing in retained earnings or 1% because their overhead is so much higher. But as you go through the phases of your practice, that number can get up to six to 8% of your budget. You're actually putting in retained earnings. All businesses do retained earnings except dentistry. And then by your, let's just that say is, you're that's probably because dentistry is not a business, Bruce. Yeah. I mean, let's just say you're doing a hundred grand collections a month and you're putting 8% in a, in a retained earnings account, that's 8,000 a month. So as you do this and it becomes part of your day to day, when it comes time to buy a laser, you're not buying a laser and going and asking somebody what kind of financing do you have? You just say, I'm gonna buy this laser. When you pay for something out of your pocket, guess what? You tend to use it. Yep. Uh, I paid for the Periolase back, I've had it for 18 years, 17 years. And uh, I paid back then, it was a lot cheaper, but I paid out of my pocket mm -hmm. and then uh, paid myself back based upon, based upon usage. And did believe you, me, I rental, used that. Did you do a rental agreement so that you could, uh, I did. I did. I so did. Explain, so. explain that to, uh, I, I like to try to do a little tax tip every time we, um, every time we do an episode like this. Um, what Bruce is talking about right there, uh, rental income. Let's talk about that and how you rented this thing to yourself to pay for it. Well, you, you definitely can set up an entity that buys equipment and you buy that equipment and then you lease it. You can lease it back to the company and there are some tax advantages to that. We also do the same thing with real estate. Uh, you know, we have a real estate company or we did that, you know, owned the, the building. And so we got benefits for that. And, and uh, so there's a lot of different ways. And, and, and what I will say a minute ago, I said something negative about accounting, uh, but, but I'm not negative. Uh, I've worked with Cane and Waters for 25 years and they help me in those areas. I don't ask them to help me in how I run my business in my practice, but what do I do with my money? What's the best way for me to save money? I, I work with them on those, like I set up a business, do this, do that. That's their expertise. Same thing with tax attorneys. Mm -hmm. I like talking to people because they know a whole lot more than I do about that. Having said that, don't tell me how to run my dental practice right. because I know day to day, hour to hour, how I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to make at the beginning of the month. I can pretty much tell you within 3% how much revenue I'm going to take out of that business based upon targets, based upon commitment and those types of things. And that's, uh, that's the way to run a business of any kind, but in dentistry in particular, it gives us that opportunity to do that. Fantastic. All right. So, and one, one last thing there. Um, if you have a CPA that is a taxpayer, you should perhaps get a CPA that is a tax planner. That is a taxpayer. No, no, that's a tax planner. Oh, tax <laughs> most, planner. Most I was people going. have CPAs that are basically just people who file their taxes for them. 
Um, yeah. If you don't have a CPA that's meeting with you at least a couple of times a year, and I would say yeah. every two to three months, then you really yeah. need to look for a better CPA uh, because you, you need someone to help you build wealth. You don't need someone to help you pay the government. Yeah, the CP, CPAs do a lot. And and I'm very, very fortunate. I have who I have. I like the fact that they're a specialty uh, group that works primarily with dentists because they have a lot of insight into the dental industry and the dental business. And they come up with new ways and new ideas as the ta new tax rules come down. Uh, whereas I also had a local accountant when I first opened my business. Didn't know sheep shit from cotton seed about dentistry and you know bottom line i've never was, heard that one i am stealing that now sheep shit and, and, <laughs> and bottom line is you know i got hosed and every year it was like oh you owe extra forty thousand you know and then you know when i got with uh, uh when i got with accountants that knew what was going on we planned ahead it's the way to do it don't yeah hey, my brother-in-law's an accountant i think it's a good idea now pull your head out of your ass get to, to it, me it's and, not and a Bruce, good idea Maybe this is just the way I do things, and, and you may have a different way. At least once a year, my estate planner, my CPA, and my lawyer are in the same room, or at least on a meeting like this. Yep. And we talk about my future and what I want to accomplish, and each one has input because they all know things the other ones don't. I'm always That's utterly right. amazed at how much tax information my lawyer will bring me. That's right. So it, it's, That's right. it's amazing to me. And that's, similar, that's, similar. that's my dream team. Now, what, you what do you do? Do you do something similar? You've got to have it. Oh, I've, I've got the exact same thing. I've got, I've got our, um, I've got our planners and I've got uh, our accountants and I've got our attorneys. So, uh, you know, work together. I, I want to pay as little tax as I can. Uh, I'd rather do with do my you know money. Line? I, that little gray line. I want to walk on yeah. the gray line. <laughs> Yeah. And, I, and I want a CPA who's going to defend my working on the gray line and keep me from yep. walking on the wrong side. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I've worked with different, different guys with different companies and all of that. But I, I like the fact that you, you know, you don't have to know everything. You just don't. There are people who know a lot more than we do about all those different aspects. So I'm, I'm definitely there. So Bruce, this has been a great conversation. I think we've been on here. Let me see here for, an hour and 24 minutes now. So wow. I am going to, uh, I'm going to recap real quick for you. Um, guys, Bruce has three companies right now. Once more, um, I am discussing with one of those companies, not necessarily with Bruce himself, but the company about sponsoring my podcast in the future. Uh, I do not currently have any financial interest at all in those companies, but I've used them myself in my practice uh, frankly, they are, and, and, and Bruce's teachings, honestly, are what I credit my success with, uh, or, or what I credit for my success. Uh, if you would like to build a successful practice, they're great tools. They may not be necessary, but they worked for me. So those are Compassionate Finance, PDA, or the Productive Dentistry Association, or D Dentist Association, and also Abila. I have not used Abila yet, but Everything I've heard about it is amazing. Um, Bruce, where can they contact your companies uh, if they want you know, to? Know a bit? Actually, MB2 is, is uh, putting a belly in, so uh, all across their, their system. Smart guys. Uh, you, can, you, can go to, you can go to uh, info at abellaar.com. 
com and send an email if you want more more information. You can also go to uh, abellaar.com and just look at the website. Uh, CompassionateFinance.com website or Productive Dentist Academy website. Oh, I'm sorry. I always say association every single time. Oh, no worries. No worries. So, you know, and those are the three companies. We actually have a full marketing company uh, with Productive Dentist Academy. We have coaching uh, in office coaching, we have coaches all over the country, and we have uh, the seminars that we do, the, the you know, the the uh, productivity workshops that we do. And we're going to be adding a lot more online uh, education with all the stuff that's happening. Uh, and I think that's going to be a big plus for us also. So I'd love, to, I'd love to see you guys in person uh, and uh, get you using. Like I say, the Abella right now, Chris, you might as well get some collections on it because it's yep. no charge, no charge to sign up right now. So that's a great opportunity. It really is. 2% two, 2 merchant fees, guys. So don't get up yeah, to that, Bruce. They're not making any money off of this. They're just a pass through. Okay. It so, is. Um, and, and, and frankly, it's kind of like that crack dealer on the corner who gives you the first pipe for free. Bruce knows his shit's good. So he's counting well, the fact that you're going to get it for free. You're going to love it and you're going to continue with it. I suggest sure. you try it. So uh, Bruce, real quick, um, if you would not mind putting together a post about the Abilla stuff, um, we can actually post it directly into TBOD. And okay. um, I'm, I'm going to twist your arm a little whenever we go off of air and see if I can work out some evergreen deals for uh, compassionate finance and, uh, and PDA as well. You bet. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll do it. Do, do me, do me a favor. Do you like this? I want to see which one's weak. Oh man, this is going to be tough. <laughs> All right, guys, you have a fantastic day. Thank you for wasting an hour and a half listening to the sound of my voice. I hope that this has been beneficial for you and that you have taken something away from this that, uh, that you can use in your practice. And maybe if nothing else, a sense of hope, because these are tough times, guys. Bruce has been through several of these downturns. He's got some great advice. He survived through it. I hope, hope we help some folks. Yep. We Bruce, made thanks, it. Thanks for Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now. Your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc Podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc Podcast on all major platforms.